0: Gilbert Gottfried and I'm here with my co-host Frank Santopadre and this is Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal obsessions. It is. Our guest this week is Mark McCrae, who's coming out with his new book The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. Can you tell us what this is about?
1: Yes, uh, and thanks for having me on the show. Well, of course. Thanks for your incredible patience while
2: we sat here with these two loons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <For> <laughs> we just best... had
2: Billy West in here as, as a segue
1: for you. Uh, awesome. I, I really like Billy West. Yeah, he's, uh, he's funny. a really great voiceover actor, definitely. Great talent. Um, yeah, so my book is The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, and, it, and, and it's a book that chronicles how Saturday morning programming became a competitive business. And I highlight the studios, the networks, the executives that worked in the industry at the time, as well as uh, some of the programming strategy.
2: And what's your, your journey, Mark? How did you wind up at Adult Swim? Because you come from programming.
1: Uh, that's correct. Yeah, so I worked um, on the kids' side of the business. I was part of the team that helped launch the Boomerang Network. Yeah. And I was hired uh, as a cartoon expert um, to create strategy for uh, a lot of those old boomerang shows you know like the Bugs Bunnies and Scooby Doo Yeah, uh, I had a before my book was a book it was a newsletter mm-hmm. and uh, it got the attention of Mike Lazo uh, because I used to send a newsletter around to uh, people in the industry I know that f- name And they felt that I would be a good fit in helping uh, to form uh, Boomerang's programming strategy. So I did that for a while. And then I also worked on the Cartoon Network side, uh, helping to promote shows like the Powerpuff Girls and Dexter's Laboratory. We would come up with all type of crazy stunt ideas, the 10 best Powerpuff Girl adventures ever, or Dexter's Mad Scientist stunts, you know, to try to get the kids in the seat. So you were marketing
2: those shows. Correct. Gil, did you do any of those shows? Did you do voices for any of those? Dexter's Lab or, pa- or Powerpuff Girls or any of that, cr- None any of of that cartoon those. network stuff?
0: No, no, I did. Let's see. I've done so many cartoons.
2: Well, he was Jerry the Belly Button Elf in Ren and, on Ren and Stimpy. Stimpy Mark. Oh, that's cool. And I want to give you a heads I, up. And then I
0: popped up as uh, the dentist in about three episodes of um, Fairly Odd Parents Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Philly, our parents. It's a, one of my favorite shows. He's been making well. the rounds.
0: <laughs> and then I do this. Uh, well, that's for uh, PBS Cyber Chase. And and you did Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, A few as mm-hmm. uh, Krang the Subprime. Wow, uh,
1: which which version of Ninja Turtles? The the one from the eighties or the later this, versions?
0: Uh, recent, yeah. Oh, the recent one. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. He gets around, Mark. Yeah, but you're like
1: cool. us. I mean,
2: you're you're an obsessive kid about this stuff. I mean, you're, you're, you're the focus <laughs> of the book, or at least the, the, the part that I locked in on, <laughs> was the 60s stuff. Oh, yeah. The 66, you, 67. You called it, what did you call it? I uh,
0: called it the Big Bang.
2: The Big Bang. Yeah, right. I thought that was interesting.
0: Yes. Go and ahead. You talk about this cartoon series that, as a kid, I would sit there with my jaw hanging open by high bad it was and that was the Marvel Superheroes cartoon. Yeah, oh, let's, yeah. let's let's
1: cover that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Marvel Superheroes um, was done by a company called uh, Grant Ray Lawrence and uh, it was a Canadian studio and there wasn't a lot of money. It was only getting, they were only getting like 28000 an episode to produce those cartoons and the going rate in nineteen sixty-six was like forty-five thousand an episode. <laughs> wow. So wow. not a lot. Um but they and were charming. They were very charming. And recently um there is a Silver Age Facebook page uh and someone posted a poll about the Marvel superheroes uh, versus some of the DC cartoons around the same era. And the poll wanted to know which shows do you prefer? And the Marvel superheroes cartoons came out on top. So, in spite of the limited animation, which was, you know, very limited, you know, the series did have, you know, very good voice work and and great background music, and a lot of the stories were adapted um, very um, accurately from the comic books. Some, some I
0: I remember, they the animation there. There'd be a picture of the superhero, and they'd shake the picture. <laughs> when there was an explosion. Yeah. Too.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one time we were watching an, an episode at Cartoon Network, and someone walked by and said, wow, it doesn't even look like an actual animated series. It looks like an animatic that is, right. you know, right. um, uh, storyboards. That move with limited animation, uh, but that was the uh, the method of uh, of Grant Ray Lawrence, you know, to uh, to uh, make cartoons. I guess the best that they could on the cheap. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, Well, the, the theme songs were great. They stay with you all these years later. Oh yeah, There's J- Jack Herbont, love- I think, is the guy, the composer.
0: Here's yeah. Bruce Banner <laughs> turned into you know, the Hulk. Yeah,
1: they're great. <laughs> yeah, they really <laughs> yeah. hold up. Yeah, the Iron Man song is one of uh, my favorites. Yeah, you,
2: you referenced it in the book. There's a YouTube video. I'll send it to you. There's a, this guy. I don't know if he's still with us. And I, the, the video may be a decade old. Uh, I don't know if Ned knows. I see Ned in the background there. A guy named Jack Urbont, U-R-B-O-N-T, is the composer of those themes. Uh, New York guy, like us. Wow. Like all awesome. of us, but when still Captain dining Ameri- out.
0: When Captain America swings his mighty shield. That's it.
2: Throws, I think.
0: Oh, throws his mighty shield. <laughs> all that of his shield, much yield. That's it. That's
2: it. Well, they trotted out the... Grant, Grant Ray Lawrence also did the Spider-Man series. Right. Also right. on
1: the cheap, I might say. Right. Um, but uh, a much a bigger budget because... Um, the, Actual animation. The, the, <laughs> right. So I guess the difference between the Marvel superheroes and the Spider-Man production was one was syndicated. And Spider-Man, you know, actually got uh, a budget from, you know, the ABC network. And then in 66, as I described, the Big Bang, you had the new adventures of Superman start. And all of a sudden, CBS is number one. Right. And they it was a big game changer. And so... The person who was working at ABC, the uh, the programming executive, was a guy named um, Ed Vane. I can't find any information on him. Interesting. Uh, uh, Lou Scheimer, who ran Filmation Productions, told me that that's who he remembered, the executive, who, who, the, the programming executive over at ABC. But um, I just thought it was a genius move that he says, okay, if, a, if the CBS shows of beating me with DC, I'm going to go after Marvel shows. And I'm going to make sure that they have a a decent budget. And what's really cool about all those 1967 shows is that, especially with Spider-Man, you actually got to see what these guys could do with an increased budget even though it was still limited
2: they were terribly charming i mean well you know with all these things you go back Mm -hmm. and you look at them years later i mean i had not seen those spider-man cartoons in in 25 years 30 years Mm -hmm. and i went back and i was shocked by how crude they were because i didn't (laughs) remember them being crude when i was 10 or or 9 but yeah but they retain a lot of their charm and that
1: and those great jazz scores oh yeah that's uh Ray ray ellis um who uh, I mentioned in my book as well. Yeah, uh, he, uh, you know, was a jazz music- musician. Can't talk. He was a, a jazz guy, and he um, he worked with Lena Horne and you know a lot of the uh, jazz greats. And uh, he ended up after you know doing the Spider Man uh, background music. He ended up working at Filmation for many many years, and uh, he's a very versatile um, musician. It's, Definitely. Pretty, it's pretty
2: hip music when you go when oh, you, yeah. you go back and you listen to that stuff. And Hoyt Curtin's work on Johnny Quest.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hoyt Curtin. I had the pleasure of talking to him. Well, you did. Uh, when I first started working at Cartoon Network. Um, I can't even remember what the, why we had a conversation. He called to get some type of information from me, and I tried to keep him on the phone <laughs> as long as I could. He's just a legend. Kind of, you know, just to kind of... Uh, uh, ask questions and, and not try to come off as a fanboy, but, you know, try to make it seem like it was more business. Sure.
0: I, I remember they had two things that they played constantly on Saturday in between the cartoons. One was a rhyme that said, no school today, no school for me, it's Saturday morning on ABC. Does that ring a bell, <laughs> Mark? Um, it does not, <laughs> but...
1: But one of the, it's interesting that you were, that you remembered that theme because I remembered one also, uh, but it was, it was, uh, it was a CBS theme and uh, it went something like, uh, oh my gosh, um, I got, I got all these themes in my head. So there's one that was in prime time and it was something like, the best ones right here, no, oh, just like last year, the best ones are right here on CBS and uh, the Saturday morning one went uh, I can't remember. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is the strange but, stuff that sticks in your head, Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> all these years later. Was that but, new
1: go ahead. But I was gonna say, it's it's really cool that, you know, Gilbert remembers that because, you know, it was all about themes and and uh, jingles back in those days. Sure. And and years later it's still in your head somehow.
2: Oh yes, the kind of crap we talk about on this show. I mean, we're we're we're, obs- we're obsessed <clears throat> with the most, uh, you know, the most minute details. These, these are some of the shows: the New Adventures of Superman on CBS, which you mentioned, which Fred Silverman of all people was behind.
1: Yes. Yeah, so was, was that the one? Stalk- Bud Collier
2: yes, doing the voice okay. from To Tell yes, the we- Truth. I remember those very well.
1: Yeah. So the story is, is that CBS was number one in primetime and, you know, pretty much uh, number one during the daytime where they aired mostly soap operas, soap operas and game shows. And so they wouldn't let Fred Silverman really do anything. And they said, well, look, Saturday mornings in last place, you know, why don't you try to, you know, do something with that strategy. And so they gave him Saturday morning to work with, and the first thing he did was like get all the black and white cartoons off of Saturday morning and uh, brought in color cartoons. And he you know, realized that superhero uh, programming was trending, and I think a lot of that had to do with the Batman Adam West series that had premiered earlier that yeah, year that in makes 1966. Sense. That I makes just sense.
0: remembered another one. There's nothing to do today. There's nothing to do today. There's nothing to do today but have some fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which which network? I forget. The one in his yeah. head.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen
2: to this list, Gilbert. The Marvel superheroes, the new adventures of Batman, of Superman, the mighty heroes. Do you remember the mighty heroes? No. With Diaper Man and Rope Man.
1: Uh, and,
0: oh, okay. Uh, what was
2: it, Tornado Man? That was a Terry Toons yeah. show. Yeah, that was Terry Toons. Uh, Frankenstein Jr. and the Impossibles. Does any of this ring a bell? No,
0: I remember what one early r- cartoon I remember was... Uh, uh, her- Herman the monster. Uh, oh, Milton the monster. Milton, Milton the monster. monster. Milton yes. the
2: monster. Yeah. Who was behind that? Was that the the, the Was that not Rankin Bass?
1: Wasn't uh, rankin' uh, bad. um God. I can't I can't recall. Yeah and, drop- and, I, and I and I watched the show, but it's a Milton, Milton
0: monster show. Is two drops it? of Essence of terror, three drops of sinister sauce. When the stirring's done, can I lick the spoon? Of course. <laughs> you know, better hold my head, it's starting to tick. Better hold my mouth, I'm feeling sick. The, it wasn't oh, the Patty Freeling,
1: yeah. was it? No, it wasn't it? Wasn't the Patty Freeling? Um, it was an independent. I want to say it was someone like Sam Singer who did "Courageous Cat." Okay, I, I, I just remember I, I just "Courageous can't Cat" and, too.
0: And it was an imitation of uh, of Gomer Pyle. That's the way right Milton okay. would talk that's right I see
1: you you remember I watched that show as a kid but I don't I didn't remember that aspect of it but I did I do remember one of the Saturday morning sing-alongs and it kind of went like this Saturday morning on CBS. And it to me it it just you know when I you sing the chill. song yeah I gotta chill it just <laughs> brought you, back wonderful memories. Where are you from originally? The Bronx? From the Bronx. So yeah. you were
2: watching the same channels we were watching, not not only the networks obviously, but but Correct. nine five and eleven. Correct. And a lot of stuff was syndicated in those right. days because I didn't see original runs on stuff like Felix the Cat mm-hmm. or even Courageous Cat, and Minute Mouse. You remember those, Gilbert? Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw those in syndication.
1: Yeah, I, or, or I Magoo or Batfink. Batfink. Well, yeah. the same company that did Batfink did um, Milton the Monster. Okay, and uh, it's just the production company just escapes me right yeah.
2: now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and tell a li- talk a little bit about the Japanese uh, animation too, because Gilbert was into Gigantor. <laughs> oh, oh. Ned, Ned looked it up. What was the company?
0: Uh, Hal Sager.
2: Hal Sager. Mm-hmm. There you go. We should have we oh, known that. And I Thank used, you, Ned.
0: I used to like Roger Ramjet. We're Roger Ramjet and his eagles fighting for our freedom. We fly with them through outer space, not to join him, but to feed him. Roger Ramjet is a man, hero of our nation. For more adventures, just make sure to stay tuned to this station. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Ring a bell, Mark?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually used to own a Roger Ramjet t-shirt for the longest <laughs> wow. time. And, and when I was younger, I thought that Roger Ramjet was produced by Jay Ward because it had a, a similar look.
0: And it know? would have a kind of a sarcastic comedy to it. Right. Exactly. Like, like a Jay Ward cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Rocky and Bullwinkle.
2: Now, Filmation was doing a lot of DC characters. You'd have the Batman Superman Hour, the New Adventures of Superman... Uh, by the way, Gilbert has been now. He's played, how do you say the character's name?
0: Mischief Pickler. You
2: know, he played that? Oh. He was the voice no. of that in the Tim Bunch? Daly Superman. Oh, t- oh, yes, okay. yes, yes. Wow. Yes. You, you're, oh. you're, you're with royalty here, Mark.
1: Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, so that's it's funny you bring up, because I, I thought it was, his pronunciation has changed so many times. Oh, I thought yeah. it was Mitzel Uh I, I know that was one. I never and, attempted and, it. And there was a a Superman story that was written about two years ago, um, and they had all the different pronunciations of that character's name just as a reference, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, so well, you not too many people have voiced
2: that character. You must be like one of three yes. or four. Or four. I, know, I Michael did... J. Pollard do it.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And I did it uh, in some recent cartoons. You brought like... it back. Yeah, it yeah. might have been in those, uh, whatchamacallit, those little figures. Uh, Legos. Legos. I think yeah. it was kind of some kind of Lego Superman or something. Oh,
1: okay, right. Yeah, there have been some um, Lego specials featuring the DC characters. I so. remember
0: what a big deal
2: it was. You'd watch Aquaman and Superman, and what when they would occasionally go, you'd get an extra Justice League character. You'd oh, suddenly yeah. see a cartoon and Adam was in it, or, yeah, that, or, or that the that Flash. Was...
1: Such a treat. Oh my gosh. So, you know, that's one of the things that really stands out as far as my childhood goes. I turned on the television and I thought that I was watching just a regular Superman cartoons and lo and behold, who shows up but the entire Justice League car you know, Justice League team. So that was my introduction to the DC universe. Yeah seeing those characters those, for the first
2: those time. Those filmation shows uh, with mm-hmm. with Ted Knight doing a lot of those voices. Oh yeah. And and then yeah. and as the narrator, remember?
0: And I yeah, I yeah. remember too. Aquaman, was, scourge yes, of the seven yes, seas. Yes. <laughs> and I remember too there was the Dick Tracy cartoon. Right. Oh yeah. Those and, those and those disappeared. The voice of Dick Tracy uh was uh, Everett Sloan. Sloan. from Citizen Kane. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. you're going
0: way back. And Dick Tracy never did a thing in those commercials. He would always get the call, and he'd go, Okay, Chief, I'll be on it right away. And then they'd call up these made-up characters.
2: Like Jiu-Jitsu.
0: Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. Yeah,
2: and Hippo Calorie.
0: And and they would have like... They would constantly be doing celebrity imitations.
2: Yeah, which yeah. they well, got that was away the, with. That was the thing back then. Why was Hanna Barbera doing all their own uh,
1: their own superheroes?
2: Be, uh, well, uh, because F- Filmation had a had a, a lock on those DC characters. And, had,
1: yeah, so yeah, Filmation had a lock on the DC characters. And according to Norm Prescott, there's an interview in my book. In my book, you know. Uh, um, Norm Prescott was one of the filmation guys. He felt that Hanna Barbera's business strategy was to um, not buy existing properties. I see, a- and to create something brand new. Now, they did do the Fantastic Four. That's in right, 1967. That's right. Um, but that Ted, that great Ted Nichols music, right? And it's 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 a great adaption of of that of that comic book series. And I'm not sure if the network. Approach this, you know, approach Hanna Barbera to do it, or Hanna Barbera sure. is like, "Hey, we got to do at least one Marvel series." I'm not exactly. There's not a lot of information about how the Fantastic Four and Hanna Barbera actually worked together, how that came about.
2: But, well, I liked what they created. I liked mm-hmm. uh, the the Herculoids and and Space Ghost. Oh, I yeah, thought they came Birdman.
1: up and Birdman,
2: mm-hmm. which is all parodied years later. <laughs> right. but I love right. that stuff.
1: Yeah, like
0: Space Di- Ghost, Dino Boy.
1: Oh, and Dino Boy, right? right. Oh,
0: and it, I remember there was the King Kong cartoon. I think oh, that was yeah. Japanese, right? It no, may I, have been, I, but I remember. I remember the theme song, uh, King Kong. You know the name <laughs> of King Kong. You know the fame of King Kong. Ten times as big as a man. Ringing any bells, Mark? Oh, I remember that
2: show,
1: and yeah. I I sort of remember the theme song. I thought the <laughs> the theme song was, you know, as Gilbert just sung, very uh, very adult
0: <laughs> for a kids'
1: show. It was a little dramatic.
0: We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this
2: <laughs> Why did this is an interesting turning point in your book? Why did they start getting away from superhero shows? There was some, there was some nervousness or some anxiety about violence and fisticuffs and Saturday morning.
1: Oh yes, and so uh, first of all, the Vietnam War was going on, and the Vietnam War images from that war were being shown on the six o'clock news every night. Sure, and a lot of parents groups were really concerned about. Um, the violence that was taking place on superhero shows. And so you also have to understand in 1967, I mean, there was a, you know, thanks to Superman being this huge hit, the following year was the first year that Saturday morning actually reacted to a a trend. And that trend was superheroes. And so you had more superheroes on the air than you ever had in the entire history of television. And a lot of those Programs were violent yes um, sometimes the villains would get left for dead or <laughs> things would happen and you're not sure what happened to the villain and and so a lot of it was going on and um, what, I was, what I found interesting about Fred Silverman was that while NBC and ABC were pulling back their superhero programs, Fred Silverman found out that the animated rights, the Batman were available and decided to greenlight the Batman Superman hour. Parents, groups, and pressure be damned. He just went and did it because, you know, Superman had been like his number one show for two years previously. And, you know, he was going to find a way to keep that show going in spite of. Great memories of those shows, but it sort of
2: ushers in the the, re, the overreaction to violence on on or, on or the negative reaction to violence on Saturday morning. Sort of ushers in this era of music-oriented cartoons. So suddenly comes here comes the Archies and Josie and the Pussycats, and there's an Osmonds cartoon, and there's a Jackson Five yes. cartoon. Do you remember all this? Oh, absolutely. A- and and Sid and Marty had the Bugaloo's and
0: right, yeah. And yes. the Josie and the Pussycats. That was. Uh, uh, that was definitely fuel for her uh, <laughs> masturbation for a little boy back then. <laughs> this is a G rated episode, Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> And the
2: Cattanooga Cats.
1: Oh, the Cattanooga Cats. Yeah, all doing that's
2: their uh, doing their thing. All that <laughs> stuff. We had Ron Dante, by the way, here on the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Speaking I'm of. A speaking, huge fan. Me too. We, we are too. And even the Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids sang. They had a band. Yes, they yes. They had a band. Everybody, everybody had to sing.
0: They played with instruments from like a junkyard. Yeah, junk,
2: they were a junkyard band. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: So that was a trend. That was a that was trend. This that,
2: is like 68 because by that time also the Batman live action series is breathing its last.
1: Right, it's breathing its last. And that's how uh, CBS and Fred Silverman, Silverman were able to get the animated rights to Batman, to, cr- to create the Batman Superman Hour. And... Um, because the Archies unexpectedly tracked so well ratings-wise, obviously the, the networks decided, hey, we don't need superhero shows anymore. We can just go with teenagers and music now. Right, right. And,
2: and I mean, these are the days when you would, you would see the, uh, the little 45 on the back of the cereal box. I mean, I remember yes. Sugar Sugar yeah. with the Archies being on the back of a, I guess it was Alphabet's. I want to say it was Alphabits or Honeycomb or something. I remember that. And I think if you Google it, you could and still see you it. You could also it's get cross it. It's not a cross-promotion.
0: They, You could also get those records on the page of a magazine.
2: That's true, too, in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my... Uh. <laughs> so that's a, a long-gone memory.
1: Right. My parents, uh, for whatever reason, wouldn't buy any of the serials that uh, had the records, unfortunately. Why, <laughs> <laughs> Why? So, Why? Uh, Why was that? Why? <laughs> 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 I'm not exactly sure. I mean, if it, if it was on the back of a cereal that we didn't necessarily eat on a regular basis, I just think that, you know, my mom just didn't want to spend extra for whatever that cereal was because there have been times when she has tried out different cereals, uh, you know, and either I liked it or I didn't or my brother didn't like it and she's and see, like, never again. You had so. it today,
2: it would be worth money.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, I wish.
2: On the <laughs> subject of HB, let's talk a little bit about the Flintstones. Because mm-hmm. you, you mentioned them in your book, which I don't remember the Flintstones on Saturday mornings. I remember right. the Flintstones in primetime.
0: Yes. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah, so yeah. the Flintstones were in primetime, but once the show ended, it it sort of graduated <laughs> to Saturday morning. And uh, so it would be rerun on NBC during uh, the Saturday morning years. We get And a- then... Yeah, and go, then you know the ratings must have been pretty good. They because must have been. Next thing you know, in 1971, um, they are greenlighting. You know the Pebbles and Bam Bam show.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. There were, and there was the Flintstones feature. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah the uh, the uh, man called, called Flintstone. Flintstone. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cashing yeah. in on the whole secret agent craze. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ted Nichols, uh,
1: who I interview in my book, he he retained some of the musical rights. Uh, for that movie. And he said one day he got a check for like six bucks or something like that. You know, but while the whole time he was working at Hanna-Barbera, Hanna-Barbera, which was about 10 years, he said that, you know, he didn't have rights to a lot of the music that he composed, unfortunately. But somehow... You know, with this feature film featuring the Flintstones, he managed to, you know, uh, retain the rights for it.
2: Those those theme songs, you know, and we we talk about this show. We lament the loss of like commercial jingles. Yes. And and TV theme songs. We had uh, we had the director James Burrows here the other day. We're talking about how you don't hear a a, a, a sitcom theme like Taxi or Cheers, or because they want to get that extra. Twenty-six and, seconds for to give it away to a commercial.
0: And now, right. when they when uh, they want to sell it. When one show ends, yeah. you see at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, they go right. The credits the... going really quick, and on mm-hmm. top of the screen, the other shows
2: begin. Because they can, right. That's right. Because well, they don't. They they realize people have a, a very limited attention span. Yeah. Spend. But you go back and listen to those, and and I should know the composers of both the Jetsons theme and the Flintstones theme. But they they right. they they're, they're as great as ever.
1: Right. Yeah. So, you know, and so I agree with of you. And part
2: the success of those shows.
1: Right. So, you know, in the old days of television, the open actually was the thing that would sell the viewer to watch. Imagine that. To, to bring you <laughs> in to the series. And nowadays... As you know, as you pointed out, there's sometimes there is no open, and they want to get you to that content as quickly as possible. And maybe that's because you know there's streaming sure. competition and cable sure. and satellite.
2: I love too that the Flintstones and the Jetsons. They also fall under that ca- into that category of songs that theme songs that set up the show.
0: Yes, it's a, here's George yes.
2: Jetson, mm-hmm. Jane, his wife. I mean, it couldn't be any more explanatory. And even right. the Flintstones theme tells you everything you need to know. Well, it's just about like the, series.
0: the the ultimate in that was always Gilligan's Island.
2: Yes. Well, <laughs>
0: <Hey>. Sherwood <laughs> Schwartz
2: nah. Yeah, he 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 would he cashed in on those. Well,
0: there
1: there were the two theme, the two theme songs. There was the f- from season one that didn't list all the cast members and said and the, right. and, and the rest.
2: And the rest. Yeah, and then somebody's agent got involved. <laughs> um, let, let's also talk a little bit about Sid and Marty, who we also had here on the podcast. Oh, really? Have, oh, yeah. have you met
1: those guys? I I met them um, at Comic Con in 2012. They showed a a pilot for land of the lost we love and uh one of their executives uh named joe king actually when i first started doing the best saturdays of our lives newsletter started to mentor me and you know we'd have regular phone calls and he would explain how syndication works and you know how people were in the industry so when i saw when i met those guys in 2012 i wanted to know i said well how is joe king doing and Sid told me that um, he had passed away, uh-huh. uh, like the year before, unfortunately. So it would have been wonderful to, timing. right, to be able to let Joe know, like, look, I made it. I'm in the industry now. Oh, and that's thanks, a shame. thanks for your help and but support.
2: But it was sweet that he wrote you back in the yeah. first place. Yeah, Sid and Marty nice. will be around forever, by the way. Oh, I agree. Sid's, I agree. Sid's a gym rat. He works out <laughs> yes. a couple of days a week. And, and, and Marty's anger is keeping him alive. Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> they, they're they like the sunshine boys. They really are.
2: <laughs> they really are. You you always, this is interesting too from the book, uh, a theory you have that you always saw a little bit of the Wizard of Oz in, in Puff and Stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know what it was. It it just really reminded me of The Wizard of Oz a lot. You have this character that gets swept into this this new world. Um, it's not a tornado, but I mean, it was a storm that sort of brought brought little Jimmy yep. into HR Puff and Stuff's world. And you know, there's a wicked witch, just like in The Wizard of Oz, and there's all these characters steal from the best, P- right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or borrow.
2: <laughs> and you and I didn't know this till I read your book that NBC was was dealing with them on the cheap too. They were clutching the purse strings.
1: Oh my god. On those yeah. on
2: those Croft shows.
1: Yes. So, um NBC was having um, you know, some ratings issues, you know, because uh unlike ABC and CBS, the, ABC and CBS had a tendency to follow whatever the newest programming trends were. NBC was trying to create a new programming trend and they were putting a lot of their eggs in one basket. And so a lot of times, while kids were happy watching Scooby-Doo on CBS and watching um, a wonderful show over on ABC, a lot of the shows on NBC weren't really getting a lot of traction. And, you know, the way that the business models were set up back in those days Uh, the advertising pays the bills and if you have really great ratings you can charge a higher advertising rate and if you have low ratings well um, the rate won't be as high and I think NBC sort of uh, in in those early days and at least the early 70s suffered from having low ratings and not being able to give uh, a full renewal of episodes uh, for a show like HR Puff and stuff that did really great ratings
0: and there's there's something you could see it on the internet and it 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 seems like like a bad taste joke put together but the Flintstones once did a cigarette commercial oh yeah you've seen that yeah. yes it's infamous scary <laughs> <laughs> different
2: different times
0: yeah Fred yeah. and Barney lighting up a cigarette and having a smoke it's so scary we get a kick out of <laughs>
2: Mark we get a kick out of how derivative those HB shows were of of primetime characters that Huckleberry Hound was Andy Griffith right. and that the Flintstones was the Honeymooners the Honeymooners and Yogi Bear was what was, uh, was uh, Art Carney oh Art yeah. Carney. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah Art Carney is what I've always heard. right right and I, yes. I, I think somebody sued I'm trying to remember who it was Burt Lahr sued them for Snagglepuss
0: or, oh. or something you
2: could look this up. Okay, it's a and, bill, yeah. good Billy West question. And
0: now, uh, for years, Bela Lugosi Jr. is a lawyer who fights.
2: Did you know this for these no, people? No, I did not. He yeah. fights for really? these these, uh, yeah. these likeness rights. Because oh, wow.
0: before that, you could do anybody's voice. I mean, I remember for years they had Columbo yogurt and a guy imitating Peter Falk. Right.
2: Yeah. So, th- so if you wanted to start a cartoon show now and you just wanted to have somebody go hey boo boo and just yes, do our party, yes. you got to you you, you got to go through some legal wrangling if if you want to do it. Right.
1: Yeah. I guess uh, you know back in the day it was just uh, uh, it was a lot more liberties. It's the Wild West. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Tell us this too. This is fascinating. Why did DC Comics hate the Super Friends?
1: Oh my god. Well, okay. Cuz I hate so, them. Yeah. Okay. So here's the story, right? So, again, the superheroes sort of left the air after the 1968-69 season, and there really wasn't a lot of superhero shows on. But kids still wanted to, do, wanted to see superheroes, and studios still wanted to make superhero shows. And I think that—so, um, the story is, is that Superman and Wonder Woman made guest appearances okay. on the Brady Kids That's right. uh, series. That's
2: right. And
1: um, every time those episodes aired, it, it had huge rate. And so ABC got the idea, well, obviously, people want to see superhero shows, so let's bring back a superhero show. And they brought in the Super Friends. And what I thought was cool about it is the first time that you see Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Robin together on the screen at at the same time. So I was really happy and hyped over it. But there was no real action. No. There was a lot of talking. And there was a monkey. And, and oh, oh, the monkey came <laughs> later. <laughs> a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> they had a dog first. Wonder Dog was Wonder the first. Wonder Dog. Season. And then right. there was Gleek. And then there was Gleek who came. Gleek jumped the, the shark, man. Right. And, oh my god.
0: I remember and, like the Scooby Doo cartoons. Mm-hmm. They would have celebrity guest stars. Always. Paul Lynn. Yes. Yeah. And it was always so clumsy cuz they go, "Oh, uh, this is the house of Sonny and Chair. <laughs> I
2: yeah. think Sonny and Cher were on Scooby Doo. Yeah. And yes,
0: they, they wouldn't <laughs> yeah. really do anything. They go, Oh, hi, are you looking for the ghost? yeah we are and that would
1: be it you know <laughs> I, I have a theory behind that yeah. as well so a lot of the the guest stars on the new Scooby-Doo movies they had some type of contract or association with CBS oh, okay. so, so Sonny uh, and sure. Cher had their primetime series Sandy Duncan had a contract with CBS sure. and uh, there were others and I think uh, they just tied those contracts in with, hey, you guys, you know, want to do some voices, or oh, we're going to make you do voices, huh? I'm not exactly sure how it got negotiated, but...
2: And they suddenly had to show up on the Scooby-Doo show. Right. Uh, I have one last fun question. Unless you, you know anything about the Beatles cartoon and you can tell us why no, none of them actually sounded like the Beatles, which Gilbert's well, obsessed with. Yes!
1: Right. Well, um, here's what I know about the Beatles. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, uh, paul freeze is yeah. as, as doing yeah. the voices yeah um, john lennon i think uh i don't i wasn't a huge fan of that cartoon series but what i do know is that in 1966 it was the number one saturday morning show How about overall
0: the cash in.
1: yeah and you know it uh created you know what every network wants uh, a, a halo effect and so kids stood around to watch the rest of the schedule and and uh, that number one status was actually upset was you know the big upset happened with Superman the new adventures of Superman came in and all of a sudden Superman is the number one show and Superman is creating a halo effect with yeah. Space Ghost and a Lone Ranger cartoon and um, it's trends the, the Beatles sort of found its way on its way out um yeah. but um something about the series I just couldn't get into when I was a kid. Me neither. It
2: weirded, it weirded me out and I knew that they didn't sound they weren't the Beatles voices and they didn't they didn't bother to try to sound like and, the Beatles. And
0: they were and you knew it was like, hey, the Beatles are big, we can make a buck this way.
2: Yeah. Oh absolutely. Uh now Ned is sitting behind you and Ned said to me, Ned, if I have this right, I was supposed to ask the Lou Shimer story.
1: Is that right? Lou, yeah, the Lou Scheimer story. Okay. Um, <laughs> is, he, is he laughing or nodding? Yeah, Do I have it right? He's laughing. He's laughing and nodding. Lou yeah, Scheimer
2: for, for the uninitiated was the ran uh, Filmation.
1: He ran Filmation. And um, so, again, someone else who was a mentor to me in the business. Um, I first met Lou back in 1989. I tried to get a job with his company. He didn't have any openings, but uh, we remained friends. And uh, he told me you know, that I knew a lot about the kids' industry. And he said, well, you should try to find a way to get your name out there. And so after my meeting with him, I decided to launch the Best Saturdays of Our Lives newsletter. And, you know, I was thinking, well, well, instead of just focusing on one person, why not just focus on the whole industry? And so I started sending the newsletter out to everyone who touched kids' content, and that included all the broadcast networks, DC and Marvel Comics. And, uh, but it was Lou that actually, you know, inspired me and gave me the idea to find a way to get my name out there. And, uh, we remained friends and on, you know, until his passing.
2: When did he pass? Uh,
1: uh, ooh. Uh, it was Prescott
2: not, and Shimer, right? Yeah, I'm not, not pres- exactly
1: sure the year yeah. he passed. But it was Prescott, Scheimer, and, um, Hal Sutherland. Hal Sutherland. They were the three principals. Yeah. And, um... There's conversations with all three of them in my book. And, That's great. Uh, and Hal Sutherland was—he was so funny. I had one phone conversation with him, and you know they were always talking about the competition between uh, Filmation and Hanna Barbera. And he would always say, "Yes, Hanna Barbera had deep pockets, deep pockets," and he would just repeat that over and over again. And I thought it was so funny. And and uh, Hal Sutherland actually has a half brother that spent a lot of years working over at Hanna-Barbera, uh, Tony Benedict. Have that, you ever heard that no, name? No, I haven't. Yeah, well, um, Tony was one of the original guys that, uh, you know, when, I guess when Hanna-Barbera started their television production, Tony was there. And I think he left uh, Hanna-Barbera about 1966, 67. And he, we're friends on Facebook and he had published a letter from, um, from Hal Sutherland and I, you know, I sent him a message. I said, oh, yeah, I said, I, you know, I've, I, I've, I've, I have talked to Hal on the phone, and he's mentioned in my book. And that's when Tony revealed that they were half-brothers. That's cool. Yeah, and I, after he told me that, I was just curious about, like, what was, what was uh, Thanksgiving like?
2: With them working <laughs> for rival companies. Yeah. You know the actress Beverly D'Angelo from the uh, Vacation movies? Yeah. Did you know she was an animation artist at Hanna-Barbera? No way. When she was like nineteen or or, or, or twenty what? years old, it's true. Wow, that's you can crazy. learn about that on this very podcast.
0: Okay, and, yeah, I need to check and, that out. <laughs> and was there anything more desperate? Then, when Fred Flintstone made friends with. Uh, the Great a, Kazoo. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Harvey Gorman. That was
0: desperation. We had nothing.
1: <laughs> well, there's debates about when the Flintstones jumped the shark. Some people say jumped the shark with Kazoo. Some folks say <laughs> they jumped the shark when, the, when Pebbles and Bam Bam showed up. Oh,
0: but. both of them are pretty <laughs> horrible.
2: All right, last question before we plug yeah. the book. Okay. And, and let you out of here, Mark. Uh, and because you're an expert, what do you think Sid and Marty were on? <laughs> <laughs> we have our own theories.
1: Hey, hey they listened to your podcast, right? <laughs> they, were, they were on it. No, yeah, they they, were on we it. doubt okay. very much that they're listening. Okay. <laughs> I think those guys were smoking a lot of weed,
0: if I had to guess. There
1: you go. From the expert's mouth.
0: So this has been Gilbert and Frank's <laughs> amazing, colossal obsessions, and the book is The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, Mark McCrae.
2: Mark, you're one of us. You're crazy. You're obsessed with the same minutia. God help you. You're a yeah. <laughs> per- perfect guest for this show, so we thank you and we thank Ned.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me as a guest, and I have to thank Ned, too, for connecting me uh, with you guys. It's, it's just been an awesome time talking about Saturday morning. I'm
2: glad. Thank the great you. Ned Hastings and Casper Kelly. We thank you guys, and uh, we'll get the word out about the
1: book. All right. Awesome. Take thank you. Care, take care, guys. You. All right. You, too. Bye. It's a sulky, over-bulky, kinda hunky superhero A two-fisted and electrically transistor superhero And exotically-erotic and aquatic superhero Environmental
0: superheroes have arrived super from the forehead to the toes Watch them change their very
1: shape before your nose can striking superhero change to Viking superhero A uh, ding and reel, swing shield, flingin' superhero, they're the latest, they're the greatest, ultimately Superhero, the marvel super